Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us this week. We're going to be talking about a topic that is pretty vexing to a lot of school districts out there. A lot of school districts are paying waste hauling bills that are really high. And part of that is because they don't have an integrated waste management program and they don't have somebody to help them not waste on waste, um, waste their money, money that could be used in the classroom. So as always on Go Green Radio, we have a subject matter expert to help us wade through this topic. Our guest today is Jody Tate. She's the founder and principal of the Waste of Version consulting firm Eco Concilium. She is also a true zero waste advisor certified by the Green Business Certification Incorporated. She also has a master's of science degree in economics and 30 years of industry experience. So she knows what's up. And in a former life, uh, she was the state recycling coordinator for the Minnesota Department of Administration's Resource Recovery Office. So she knows the waste industry backward and forward. Um, but from a very you know, smart, strategic, economic level. And she has a case study that she's going to be sharing with us today where she helped a school district save over $81,000 a year just simply by getting smart about how they deal with their waste, how they deal with their contracts. Um, and it was a very data-driven approach to saving money on this big utility bill that a lot of school districts pay. So I'm going to welcome Jody to the show. Welcome to Go Green Radio. Jody. I'm so glad to have you with us. Jill, good morning. Thank you so much for having me on your show and the opportunity to share with your listeners the story that we've had and the work we've done with White Bear Lake Area Schools. White Bear Lake is a, a public school district. It's located within the metro, the Saint, uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul metropolitan area, and it is, resides within two counties, Ramsey and Washington counties that are working very diligently over the years to meet a 75% recycling goal by the year 2030 that's mandated by Minnesota state law for Mm -hmm. all metropolitan area counties. I love Um, it. And we're going to learn more about them. I want to give our listeners a quick chance to get onto a set of slides that you have for us so that in case they want to follow along and listen to what you have to say, they can check out some slides that you've created for us, which thank you for doing that. So to all of our listeners who are listening, um, where you can open a new tab in your web browser, here's a Here's an easy link for you. Go to www.tinyurl.com slash ecoconcilium. And that's spelled E-C-O-C-O-N-S-I-L-I-U-M. And that's where you can pull up a set of slides um, that go through this case study that Jody's about to tell us about. So, Jody, go right ahead. Well, the school district, um, as I mentioned, is... Um, in Ramsey and Washington counties, and they serve about 9,000 students between pre-K and grade 12 in 16 school buildings. They operate an early childhood program from birth to age 5 and a Transition Plus program that serves uh, young adults between the ages of 21 with special needs. As I mentioned, Ramsey, Washington counties is where the district resides, and in those counties, there is a state and county tax on all commercial garbage hauling and disposal services. 
In Ramsey County, that tax totals 70%. In Washington County, it totals 52%. So for every $100 of garbage hauling and disposal services the school district buys, it pays an additional $70 in tax. So $100 becomes $170, $1,000 becomes $1,700, and it adds up very quickly. I'll say. Can I can I ask you just a real quick side note on that? Yeah. You know what what is the reason for that? I mean, it is the state running out of landfill space, or you know what precipitated that huge tax? It was the count. It's a public policy position. Some counties will subsidize uh, different ways to manage waste, such mm-hmm. as subsidizing organics programs and encouraging folks to uh, participate because of subsidies. These two particular counties chose to tax undesirable behavior in a way to uh, offer folks a financial incentive to manage their waste stream higher up on the hierarchy. Got it. All right. Sorry to interrupt, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where because this is such a state-by-state state situation, it's good to know if, uh, if a tax like this is the canary in the coal mine for other states that they might end up doing some of the same things and we need to be ready for it. So thanks for sharing that with us. You go back to what you were talking about. Absolutely. So along with that high tax comes an incentive to uh, reduce that tax liability. And there's one of three ways in managing your waste that you can do that. First of all, simply reducing your waste. Don't generate that material, those discards, and therefore do not, do not incur that tax li- liability. The second is to optimize your recycling collection program because recycling services are tax-exempt. And third is to optimize your organic waste management program because organic waste management services are also tax-exempt. So when we work with schools, when we work with our our businesses and our public entities um, in in these particular counties, our mantra is to rethink your bottom line by reducing your waste first and then diverting tax-exempt materials from your garbage stream. That makes perfect sense. Now, give us some background and history of the White Bear Lake School Waste Diversion Program and how EcoConcilium, your firm, got involved. Well, this particular school district had a vision about 20 years ago when they, the, their school, the then school board adopted a waste reduction and recycling policy in 1997. But back in the 1990s, it was all about recycling and setting up collection systems, containers, equipment, trucking, markets, on and on. And even though the waste reduction and recycling policy was in place, waste reduction and reuse really wasn't pursued or, t- or tapped into. And then in this particular market in the early 2000s, the new horizon was organics diversion. And that was really exciting, and folks were trying to figure it out, and we were uh, asked to uh, collaborate with the school district and Ramsey and Washington counties between 2004 and 2011. We partnered with the school district and Ramsey and Washington counties to plan and launch a district-wide food-to-hogs program in 13 schools. 
And for those that aren't familiar, food to hogs is food to animals. It's higher on the hierarchy than composting, for example. Uh, this program will accept food waste and milk, milk and juice waste, and there is no need to purchase compostable bags. But what we did, it took us seven years to launch all of these 13 schools district-wide, but during this time, we left money on the table. We didn't realize the role that the hauler contract played in waste diversion efforts. Um, and so while we were doing this work in 20, or no, I'm sorry, 2009, the school district went on its own and executed a standard hauler contract that did not have any provision for, the, for financially rewarding the school district for its waste diversion efforts. It was also... There were terms and conditions in that contract that allowed it to quietly auto-renew every 36 months. Oh, <laughs> that's so good for the waste hauler, but uh, maybe not so much for the school district. So what happened in 2015 that brought EcoConcilium back to the White Bear schools? Well, by the time 2015 rolled around, the district had significant and some serious operational and holler contractual issues, and they asked us to help again. Um, We didn't realize at the time when we set these programs up that these programs get old and tired, and they actually de-evolve over time with staff turnover and the loss of historical knowledge within the school district of why that program was put into place and how does it really truly, was it intended to operate? So when we came back um, to the district, there were significant barriers that we had to overcome. The nutrition services had started using disposable lunch trays. Mm. Their trash volume significantly increased, and because there were no cost controls on the rates charged in their standard hauler contract, Trash and recycling hauler service costs had increased between 22 and 280, and 280%. Wow. Yeah. There also, there was no standards um, throughout the district for their trash and recycling collection container system. There was a mix match of what those containers look like, some makeshift labeling on them, some had labels, some didn't. Um, there was no... Um, standard look, so to speak, for those containers as well. And I mentioned the Food to Hugs program have gotten tired and and old and tired. And so in 2004, when we originally began launching that program, we had put in state-of-the-art cafeteria sort tables. By the time 2015 had come around, Mm -hmm. those tables were being held together with duct tape. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I've seen a few systems like that in schools that I work with, too. Yes. So the district knew it was time to reinvest in its waste diversion program, and they were willing to support it. And so they brought to the table high-level support. We were at the table often in meetings with the superintendent, assistant superintendent, director of finance, director of human resources, director of operations, director of food service. We had the right folks at the table. And the school district 
decided to place an emphasis on program sustainability because they learned what doesn't work. And they were actually open to change in logistics, daily operations, change in staff roles and responsibilities. And this time around, which was so fun and different for us, is we had greater student awareness than ever. We had student advisory groups that were meeting with the superintendent, requesting and asking how can the the recycling program be improved, and there were actually student activists that were speaking at school board meetings and being vocal about their uh, desire to have the school district place some emphasis and, and improve the system. And so Ramsey and Washington counties also observed this, and they recognized this high level of support and commitment that, and that the school district, and they then were ready to meet that level of commitment that the school district had by bringing grant funds to the table along with some staff time and support. That is awesome. And you know what? I, I am so excited to keep diving really deeply into this. Uh, But we've got to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have so much more to talk about with Jody Tate. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in. And if you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Jody Tate. She's the founder and principal of a waste diversion consulting firm called Eco Concilium. That's E-C-O-C-O-N-S-I-L-I-U-M. You can check them out online. We're talking about how to save schools a whole lot of money on their waste hauling bills because that is a big utility cost for a lot of school districts. And every dollar that can be saved in that line item of the budget is money that can be sent to classroom and educational purposes. So there's no sense to waste our money on waste if we can be um, more purposeful about it. Uh, Jody is talking to us about a case study of success that she pioneered. Um, And you can check out some slides that she has prepared and follow along with that slideshow as she's talking about this case study. We've got a tiny URL set up. It's tinyurl.com slash ecoconcilium. And again, ecoconcilium is spelled E-C-O-C-O-N-S-I-L-I-U-M. So Jody, let's dig into the nitty gritty details. How did you eliminate the waste in waste? Expand on the project details for us. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. Um, As I mentioned, um, there was a lot of support on the part of the counties as well as the school district in wanting to make change. And the total project investment ended up to be $228,000. However, the school district now saves and continues to save over $81,000 a year. So the return on investment in this public space is 34 months. So what we did is we focused in on four main areas. We started by developing a request for proposal and executing a new hauler contract. We then moved to the cafeteria, focused in on waste reduction by eliminating the disposable lunch trays, enhancing recycling by targeting milk cartons, and then we set a reboot on the Food to Hugs program that had been there for quite a number of years and uh, improving the recovery of food and beverage waste. And then we um, moved district-wide throughout the buildings and we improved and standardized the single-stream recycling collection container infrastructure with a standardized look, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. And finally, we launched end-of-year school cleanouts. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm really excited to hear about each of these details. But you know what? One of the questions that I hear, you know, we work with schools with the Go Green Initiative, my nonprofit organization. We have over 3,500 schools that have self-registered with us in all 50 states. And one of the linchpins that always um, causes some consternation is the waste hauler contract. So I'd love for you to to tell us about what you did with the waste hauler contract. Oh, I would love to, Jill. Thank you. So most schools, and, and White Bear Lake area schools in particular, use front-end load dumpsters to manage their discards, their trash, and their recyclables. So a front-end load dumpster um, is provided by the hauler, and um, it is loose yardage in containers that's being uh, emptied on a schedule, typically a scheduled pickup uh, basis uh, weekly. And the unit of measure in a dumpster is a cubic yard. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine a yardstick, 
and that size of, the, of a yardstick in a cube, that is the size of a cubic yard. So what we, what we did is we modified the rate structure to be based on unit-based pricing, such as the cost per cubic yard for trash services and recycling. And when we did this, uh, went through this procurement process and executed a contract, the cost uh, per cubic yard for trash services is, became $6.30. The cost per cubic yard for single stream recycling services is $2.20. So there was a very clear and transparent message to the school district community that it costs almost three times more to manage a cubic yard of recyclables in the garbage stream versus managing a cubic yard of of recyclables as recyclables. Mm -hmm. And so this message, we... We communicated this message throughout the district, everyone from the superintendent, the school board, the teachers, the support staff, the food service staff, uh, students became aware of the financial difference, and if there was an easy way to save money, all they had to do was decide where to to discard their materials in, in the right container. So we employed behavioral economics, because we were able to offer the school district a financial reward for their waste reduction and recycling efforts. We then took the next step based on that unit measure of cost per cubic yard as a building block, and we created a a transparent invoice format. So the cost for each point of service or each location within the school district was clearly um, calculated and stated and itemized for every month. And then finally, as to support all of this, is there was the um, terms in the contract that called for mandatory right sizing of the hauler trash and recycling services. Mm -hmm. So as we started diverting more materials away from the waste stream, each cubic yard that was shifted from the waste stream to recycling, we could then right-size those hauler services at the back end of that. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And I know that that's going to serve a lot of school districts very well. That Did I mention, folks, that Jody has a Master's of Science in Economics? <laughs> this is the way to do it. I love that. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about changes that you made in the cafeteria, because for a lot of schools, that is one of the most difficult nuts to crack is how do we get, you know, things set up when kids are rushing around because maybe they want to get out to the playground after lunch or whatever. Sometimes it's really difficult um, to get things sorted properly in the cafeteria. So what did you do there? Well, we used two strategies. One, we wanted to capture food waste and beverage waste, which is heavy, wet, dense material diverted from the waste stream so we could lighten the load of the residual garbage stream. And secondly, we wanted to use strategies that would reduce volume. So we made the switch. We worked with the school district to make the switch back to using reusable lunch trays. 
we launched the new cafeteria sort tables and put in state-of-the-art, brand-new stainless steel tables on wheels, color-coded, the whole shebang. And then we added a new positions for transition plus students, if you remember the students between ages of 18 to 21 with special needs, we created new job sites in the cafeteria for them to support the program. And finally, we updated the job description for cafeteria assistants. We also purchased a dish machine. One of the schools needed a new dish machine, and we purchased dish racks for all the schools because they had gotten lost and forgotten over the years uh, due to unuse. Um, on <laughs> and mm-hmm. then um, we, we worked with those cafeteria sort tables. Again, I mentioned with that color-coded system, we had red for trash, green for organics, and, and blue for uh, recycling with um, sign frame across the top, and in a, in a um, standardized fashion so that every school you would walk into, every cafeteria would be standardized, whether it was an elementary school, middle, or high school. The experience of discarding materials in the cafeteria was consistent, predictable, and the same. That's so, what so this, important. Yeah. Yeah, and what this, what, what this allowed us to do was to um, increase our food, the weight of our food waste barrels that were being uh, picked up by the farm, between 22 and 151 percent. Wow! Wow! We also targeted almost 900, or just over 930,000 milk cartons a school year by targeting them for recycling, and that weighed out to 14 and a half tons of material. Oh, my goodness. And that's not even a big school district, but that's a lot. Wow. It's a lot. It adds up fast. It sure does. And and what did you guys do uh, besides the state-of-the-art stainless steel uh, containers? And by the way, folks, you can see pictures of those in the slides that I mentioned. If you want to go to tinyurl.com slash Eco Concilium, you can see Jody's slides. And, and there are photos of these uh cafeteria um, receptacles, but I'd also like to know what you did to improve the recycling collection container system. Well, as you remember, the containers were a mix and match of all kinds of um, receptacles. There was not a rhythm or a a plan behind much of it, Um, and so what we did is we walked every square foot of every building, and we put together a shopping list, so to speak, of the additional containers that we would need and the uh, containers that we could repurpose and reuse in a standardized collection container system. We color-coded all of the recycling containers to be blue and all of the trash containers to be black. We labeled them consistently with... um, trash and recycling labels, and what we did that was a little different is we put lids on the bins, on the recycling bins in the classrooms and in the school hallways because in our observation, the public at large doesn't necessarily always understand what a recycling lid means. The different shaped opening for single stream recycling, there's the circle and slot like the planet Saturn in a way. We call it the Saturn lid. And um, we thought it would be valuable to begin to teach 
students in school buildings what that recycling lid meant so that they would be able to take that new skill out into the community. Mm. So all of the various sizes of capacities of various containers all now look the same. You can go to into any one of these buildings and you can look down the hallway and it's a lovely sight. Um, they're color-coded, they're paired, they um, are um, upgraded and standardized, and the experience of discarding something is consistent throughout the district. That is so cool. And, and, you know, for a long time, I remember, you know, when I got into this in 2002, the thought was, hey, just get containers in there, you know, slap a recycling sign on it and just get them in there no matter, you know, what the color or whatever, just get them in there. But I think that there is something, especially in a school district, to be said for consistency throughout the matriculation path of a student so that what they learn to do in kindergarten is the same thing they're doing the year they graduate from high school. So I love that. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we have so much more to talk about with Jody. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. In case you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Jody Tate. She's the principal and founder of a waste diversion um, 
consulting firm called Eco Concilium. And she is talking about a really exciting case study of success where she helped a school district um, save over $81,000 a year just by looking at their waste system. Um, Schools in every corner of the United States are budget strapped. I don't know of any schools out there that are like, you know what, we're so flush with cash, we'll pay whatever they charge us for for waste hauling and for other utilities. Um, Every school district I know wants to tighten their belt with these types of expenses in their budget so that they can spend as much as possible on the classroom, on the teachers, on the students. Um, And so Jody is somebody who's quite the subject matter expert. Not only does she have a master's of science in economics, but she has been a waste industry expert um, for many, many years. And so she is taking that smart data-driven approach to helping schools save money on their waste hauling bills. And we've been talking about some of the strategies that she employed with White Bear Lake schools. Um, Jody, I just wanted to ask, was there anything surprising or anything that was kind of fun that came out of this project that you didn't expect going in? You know, we did um, experience some discoveries that were kind of fun and actually quite surprising. Um, one, we ha- actually there were three of them, and the first one is uh, we we calculated again. If you remember, the counties are working towards a seventy-five percent recycling goal by weight by the year twenty thirty, and so what we did is we measured the pre-launch recycling rate. Um, which uh, measured out to be 27% before we uh, implemented any of our remedies and improvements. And then our post-launch recycling rate by weight was 48%. So we almost not quite doubled our Mm -hmm. recycling rate by weight. But what ended up happening, not surprising, is we decreased hauler trash services. Remember, we had that mandatory right-sizing clause in our contract, we -hmm. decreased trash services by 24%, and we also decreased recycling services by 5%. Wow. So even though we doubled our recycling rate, we decreased recycling services by 5%. So what that told us was we had no idea of how overserved the school district was by the hauler on their recycling services. And so we were able to eliminate inefficient trucking. Which has the added impact of not having those trucks running up and down the streets of the community any more than they have to, and that's going to eliminate some air pollutants. So that's pretty awesome, too. The benefits multiply (laughs) exponentially um, when you start looking at, and some of these savings, um, they are hiding in plain sight. So the school district had been operating this way for years and had no idea. So sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And that's what we do is we help folks um, unpeel the layers of the onion to delve into things deeper to find these savings. The second um, surprise, or actually it was quite um, gratifying, is that our Transition Plus students, again, the young adults between ages of 18 to 21 with special needs, the school district created new job sites for for the Transition Plus students um, to support this new program. So there are cafeteria sort table monitors 
um, uh, students were assigned to this job site as well as dishwashers. And the exciting part about the dishwashers, because now we're washing reusable lunch trays again, is that the district started to pay the students for their work. So these were nude paid positions for the first time in the district in this program, which still prevails today and is incredibly, has been incredibly successful. And so what this does for the Transition Plus students, it offers a first step towards less supervision inside a familiar environment, inside the school buildings that they have grown up in. It also offers a stepping stone to bigger things for students outside and beyond the school district boundaries in terms of outside employment, which then lends to greater independence. I love that. That is so great. I I mean, what an unexpected but truly important outcome. I mean, that was fantastic. Was there anything else that came out of the project that was surprising or fun? Well, the third item is our cafeteria assistance, because one of the things is, you know, schools will always say, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough adults. We can't do this fine kind of sorting. And so what we did is we then focused in on cafeteria assistance, which in White Bear Lake area schools are teachers who are paid a stipend to spend time in the cafeteria during the lunch hour. They help with behavior and with flow of students in and out, um, being served their meals and sitting down at tables and, and uh, you know, making sure they're leaving the cafeteria on time. What we did is we worked with the Director of Human Resources to update the job description for cafeteria assistance, and we added two essential functions. We added assisting with cleaning and monitoring the cafeteria sort tables and assisting with training students on how to sort cafeteria discards into trash recycling and organics. And so now we have, we have institutionalized the presence of adults on a consistent manner, in a consistent manner on a daily basis where they are monitoring that cafeteria sort line, not just the custodians, because custodians are overwhelmed, as we know. Yep. They will get called out of the cafeteria unexpectedly, and then those sort lines are unattended. So these cafeteria assistants who are being paid to be there, now have that um, expanded uh, role and responsibility of being more engaged with the Waste Diversion Program. That's awesome. That's brilliant. And you're right. I mean, I I was at a school uh, cafeteria. Actually, this was a California school, so they don't have a cafeteria. They all eat in an outdoor space. And just in the middle of the custodian starting to remove some of the, the waste, somebody threw up in another part of the school district and the custodian had to go clean that up. And so, like you said, that area was unattended by an adult who was helping the students know where to put things. So um, that's that's really important. Now, you mentioned earlier in the show that um, prior to you coming back to the district in 2015, they had instituted disposable lunch trays. What was the impact of eliminating those disposable lunch trays? Well, it was big. So when we returned, the school district was purchasing and using one-time-use disposable lunch trays to the tune of 686,000 trays a year. Wow. When, when you procure those trays, they're shipped to you in a cardboard box. So those trays were shipped in about 1,400 cardboard boxes 
So when we eliminated the use of disposables and went to reusable lunch trays, the district was no longer purchasing the trays, obviously, and the shipping containers that they were being received in. And we um, weighed out those trays, and we were able to eliminate 21 tons of disposable trays and 0.7 tons of cardboard boxes. Holy cow. It totaled out to be just over 22 tons of materials that were eliminated from the waste and the recycling stream. So what we did then is we broadened our vision beyond just the calculation of a recycling rate based on weight. We added in then the weight of this uh, diversion of those 22 tons, and we then calculated a diversion rate, we actually gained 1%, but 1%, I'll take it, and Mm -hmm. we were then, our diversion rate then jumped up to almost 50%. Holy cow. So the cost of disposing of those lunch trays, was that cost avoidance then applied to um, the purchasing of reusable trays and dishwashing and, and all of that kind of thing. Because that's that's a big hang-up. I've heard a lot of schools say, well, sure, we'd love to get rid of disposable trays, but then we've got to add in, you know, dishwashing and that capability. So, you know, how, how did the school district manage the, the capital investment to use reusable trays versus disposing of the disposable ones? Well, we um, – the grant purchased – the disposable trays. So that capital investment was provided um, through the grant monies um, from the counties. So that the reusable trays, you mean? Uh, the reusable trays. Yes, I'm gotcha. sorry. I did. Yep, the reusable trays were purchased with grant funds. But what it allowed us to do was in, um, eliminate about forty-one thousand mm-hmm. dollars to purchase those trays a year. We added in about twenty-eight thousand dollars for labor. Mm-hmm. including our Transition Plus students. But when we offset that with the cost savings in the hauler, the reduction in hauler costs, mm-hmm. we netted a savings. Wow. See, and that's the kind of economics that a lot of schools can't quite get to. Um, and and that's why a, a firm like EcoConcilium and you with your Masters of Science in Economics can help schools get to that point because that's the kind of argument that needs to be made when uh, district staff is going to the school board and asking for these kinds of, of changes. And so um, that's why I am recommending that our listeners, if this is a topic that is near and dear to your heart, um, all of you school finance officers, um, all of you who want to influence uh, these kinds of decisions, go out to Jody's website, EcoConcilium. Um, you can find her there, and, and it's E-C-O-C-O-N-S-I-L-I-U-M, EcoConcilium, um, because this is the kind of approach that can work. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have more with Jody Tate, so don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in. If you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Jody Tate, the principal and founder of EcoConcilium. And she has helped uh, several school districts, but we're talking about one in particular, uh, White Bear Lake. And they have saved over $81,000 a year on their waste hauling bill. And for the money that they put up front, they're getting their return on investment really quickly. And so she's been talking us through the strategy that her firm employed in order to make this savings a reality. Jody, talk to us about how you landed on pursuing end of year school cleanouts. And actually, I want to say to our listeners, if you want to check out some information while you're listening to Jody describe this, you can go to tinyurl.com slash school cleanout. And you can follow along with that while Jody explains it. So go ahead, Jody, talk to us about the end of year school cleanouts. Well, I have to be honest, this has been a fantasy of mine for over 20 years. (laughs) When my oldest son started kindergarten and I observed the amount of waste at the end of the school year when kids are cleaning out their desks and their lockers, it blew my mind. And so what we did is we did a pilot in White Bear Lake Area Schools as part of this project, and we, at one elementary school... We worked with 290 third, fourth, and fifth grade students. They, over a six-day period of time, the last week of school, and they staggered their clean-out activities, they recovered three-quarters of a ton of materials. Holy by weight, by weight, 92% of the materials were recyclable. 8% were reusable school supplies. And on average... This uh, 
we recovered an average of five pounds of reusable and recyclable materials per student from the waste stream. Wow. We did the same, we did the same activity at a middle school. And we worked with 268th grade students. They collected 290 pounds during their lunch period on the last day of school. By weight, that uh, weighed out to be uh, 60% of the materials were recyclable, 24% were reusable school supplies and clothing, and 16% was trash which averaged out to be slightly less than one pound of materials diverted from the waste stream per student. It blew our mind. I mean, this is, was an untapped oil well mm-hmm. of wealth of materials that were being trashed because of just the flurry of activities, kids moving fast, not enough capacity and containers to collect these materials to avoid them being dumped in the garbage dumpster, and just a little bit of organization and planning and thought at the front end. So what the school district decided to do based on the success is the following school year, at the end of that year, we launched district-wide end-of-year school cleanouts. We met with all of the principals. It required a lot of communication a lot of hand-holding, so to speak, but it was incredibly uh, valuable experience. And so when you end up collecting all of these reusables, you need to have a system for redistributing them. Mm-hmm. So what we came up with is a protocol. Teachers had first dibs. They were able to restock their classrooms. Then summer school programs were able to use those supplies during the summer. The school district has what's called the closet, which is a resource for families in need, clothing and and toiletries and other things. And so a lot of that clothing went to the closet. The superintendent has a backpack program for families in need at the beginning of the school year. And then the Goodwill also um, benefited from this program. So if you can imagine the cost savings associated with capturing this material versus putting it in the waste stream all added up to us um, being able to have this kind of significant cost-saving outcome. That is phenomenal. I mean, the the way that you have attacked this issue, um, well, I mean, it's math. You're using data in order to make decisions, which in and of itself is really the way to go and unfortunately not always the way the decisions are made but money talks and you're not just showing that you know you can save money on some of this but you can avoid you know expenditures on things that people never even considered like summer school supplies and you know other things that teachers may need and I just think this is brilliant I I have a feeling we've got a lot of people in school districts listening to this and wondering how do we replicate this Um, how can we do the same thing and I don't know if if there are some things that any school you know you could offer them advice or if school districts want to work with your firm eco concilium what's your advice for other school districts who are listening right now well of course we would love to work with more school districts there is such a great need out there folks can absolutely reach out to us at info@ecoconcilium.com at but stepping back 
you know, we've worked with school districts since 2003. We have seen a lot. We have put in a lot of great programs that did not prevail or de-evolved in one shape, way, shape, or form. So here's kind of based on our observation what we've come up with. First of all, we have to accept that no one size fits all. We've come to the conclusion, we have this saying, when you've worked with one school, you've worked with one school. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) (laughs) So with that said, you can't get this done, and it takes a village. We can't get this done on our own. We will not sit down with a school district or a school unless we have high-level support at the table. We've learned the hard way. When teachers come to us with a request or a parent or a student or even a principal who wants to turn their school around, all roads eventually end up at the director of operations office or the uh, business manager's office or even the superintendent's office. So we cannot emphasize enough having high-level support, top-down support at the table when you begin your work. And then when you begin your work, you create a work scope unique to that school or that school district, and you vet it. Um, You know that the work is not linear. It doesn't go from point A to point B. It is going to be full of twists and turns. But as long as you realize that all roads lead to the checkbook, it's worth persevering. <laughs> uh, um, and also, know where you're starting from. So if you want to get to point B, you've got to know where point A is. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can't figure out how to get to point B. And so by baselining your costs, baselining your volumes of materials that you're trashing or recovering through recycling or, or organics, um, is... Invaluable. Yep. You've got to know where you're starting as an anchor. Yep. That's so true. And that's, you know, we talk about inventories and waste audits and, um, you know, taking that out to the, to the dumpster area and working with the waste hauler to assess exactly what you've got and then starting to work on what you need. Uh, Jody, I, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show because this is a, this is a tough subject. And, and every school district I've ever seen says, we don't have the resources to do this. We don't have the time. You know, waste is just waste and we'll, we'll pay our waste hauling bill. We've got other things to think about, and that's true, but the the cost of not thinking about this, the cost of not handling your waste system is really tantamount to taking money right out of the classroom because this is money that comes from the general fund. It's money that could be used for anything, and the more you spend on your waste hauling, the less you have to spend on those precious students that we're trying to educate. So, Jody, I want to thank you for enlightening us and for being with us today. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then... Have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. To 
Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.